Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast episode 126. A little bit of a strange episode coming to you today. No road to Halloween, just a focused new release episode. I'm your host, as always, Carson Tamar. I don't know if I said that already. Hopefully, I already did, so that's weird that I said it twice. Joined by Alina Falds, survived the animation festival and TIFF back-to-back. Barely, but you're here. How are you doing? I'm barely clinging to life at this point, Carson. I, like, don't know how I'm a functioning human being right now. Uh, Apparently, I work for the Ottawa International Animation Festival slash the Canadian Film Institute. Um, And this week was our 46th edition of the Ottawa International Animation Festival. And it was a big hit. I didn't get to see a single short film. Not a single one. Not a single one. I was stuck at my desk for like 12 to 14 hours a day, which is fine because like that is the role I had to play. I was their, I'm their volunteer coordinator. So I just like clung to my desk with my assistant to keep me company and I gave out. Yeah, I did. She was a volunteer, but like she was like, one of like she's like a volunteer lead and she her name's huda i love her she's really great she wants to work in like she wants to write for an animated tv series so it was a really good little week for her um yeah and she kept me really good company she was great um yeah so i mostly stationed at my desk delegating the volunteers making sure they had everything they needed running around like crazy because like Finding volunteers post pan I know it's not post-pandemic, but it pretty much is now that we're back to normal in quotations. It's been tough recruiting volunteers because a lot of people have, like, moved on from, like, being past volunteers. There's, like, less awareness. Some people are not down, especially old folks. They're not down to volunteer right now, and you really rely on them during, like, the weekdays. But I made friends. Uh, I had tons of great volunteers. There was this old man named Bill. He was adorable. Such a team player. He's literally, like, 82, and he did five volunteer shifts for me wow. this week. King. Um, and I had this other kid he, named Nico. He was really good. He, I chatted. I thought – I think he thought I was, like, weird. But, like – valid he's correct but he was a really good kid and a good sport he likes horror movies i told him about our podcast i think nico might listen to this he was one of my favorites um yeah who to my assistant was one of my favorites and there was quite a few others who were like fantastic and i graded them all like a pluses i only had like a few annoying people which is good but i won't name the annoying people because that would be mean (laughs) <laughs> well, outside of the good ones, it feels like nobody wants to work anymore. Right? So, I've had a... there's some slackers. Anyway, I had a great-ish time seeing a festival from the back end. It was a really worthwhile experience. Um, to next liked, year. <laughs> I would have liked to, if I worked there still, because I'm just a contract person. But I would like to check out some of the films that we screened. I heard everybody had a great time. Our artistic director, director Chris, told me that this is like one of the like most praises he's heard for the festival ever, and I was like, "Really? We food poisoned people? 
and it's still like we literally we actually did we have like a picnic for the animators on a friday and the mac and cheese made so many people throw up it wasn't our fault it was the caterers but like we are associated with the caterers um but still even though we food poisoned people uh it was still one of the biggest best animation festivals ever so hey i'm proud of us and i'm very tired Hey, and you couldn't have that historic of a festival without a great uh, volunteer coordinator. So exactly. props to you. Exactly. <laughs> I had a far less interesting week. I just work like normal. I got my COVID booster like an hour that. ago. Your fourth so, one? My fourth one. Yeah. I'm going to get mine soon. So feel good about that. I saw Avatar in theaters, which we're not talking about, but like uh, incredible. What a picture. Really? I might go yeah. see it tomorrow since it'll be cheap night Tuesday. Have you ever seen it in theaters? No. I Because I watched it... it at home and I yeah. was like, it's whatever. And then watching it IMAX 3D, like, it really was great. So. Well, I'm not going to see it in IMAX because I don't want to bus across town, but I'm down to see it at the theater near me tomorrow. I Definitely should. Definitely valid. Well, before Wave of the Water, I'm like, well... Why not? Yeah. Well, actually, before Avatar 2 through 6, let's be clear. Good God. Um, figured why, why not <laughs> give it a fair shake. Okay, I'm going to go tomorrow. Yay. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's get to the two new releases, because, God, we picked a weird week to, like, what a week. <laughs> um, and let's kick things off with maybe the most talked about movie of the year, Don't Worry, Darling. This is just beaming with controversy from Harry Styles spitting on Chris Pine, fucking Olivia Wilde, whatever her name is, Florence Pugh stepping up as director, and now everyone being like, you you were lied to. None of that happened. It was great. It's crazy. I don't know what happened behind the scenes of Don't Worry, Darling, but on screen in Don't Worry, Darling, it's about this like 50s-esque town aesthetically that is like in the middle of the desert. Everyone seems really happy. Florence Pugh is there with her husband, Harry Styles, and everything seems going good. But this one girl is like, oh, something's wrong. They're keeping us here like it's something's bad. And everyone's like, oh, she's crazy. But then Florence Pugh starts to notice all this weird shit that happens. A plane crashes. She envisions the old, the woman thinking everything is crazy in the mirror. And she begins to think maybe something darker is going on. Now, I don't know what caused all of that because it's not explained in the runtime. But I will say, I do not like Don't Worry, Darling. But I'm going to say the hottest take I've maybe ever said on this podcast. And I'm someone who liked Morbius. I'm someone who liked The Rise of Skywalker. Guys, I don't think Harry Styles is bad in this movie. I think the bigger issue is Florence Pugh. You're mentally ill. Jonathan, film a friend. Oh, my God. Jonathan, friend of the podcast, the film drunk, and I saw your tweet when we were at TIFF together, and we were both like, Carson is fucking delusional. Here's the thing. (laughs) Harry Styles, and we'll get into this more, maybe. Harry Styles is what this film is trying to be, which is like, and that's the thing. It's like the entire film does Harry Styles dirty. He is like, not great. I wouldn't give him an Oscar, obviously, but he is giving the stylized performance that you would expect here. The movie editing wise does him terribly, but then Florence Pugh comes in and she's a great actress. No one can deny it, but like her performance for this role, she feels so out of place immediately. There's no sense of like, she belongs to this world and she's waking up. She does not have the sexual chemistry and the sexual energy. It feels like she needs. She felt just so out of place to me. 
I'm going to be honest. There was one actor I was envisioning, and I'm sad Paul's not here because this is not going to do well in this room. I kept thinking this was like a Gal Gadot ro- ro- role. Um, I'm crazy. I'm psychotic. <laughs> but you need someone like that who carries that certain energy, who carries that certain like, you know, femininity, let's say, to her, that then she can wake up and it becomes juxtaposed in this world. It doesn't work when out of the blue, already Florence Pugh feels completely out of place. But maybe that's my take. I'm crazy. Alina, I'm sure you'll have the better opinion. Mm, I don't really like it either, which is disappointing. I went to, I saw it a week ago now. I went to the like big Monday night IMAX screening where they had like a live Q&A with the cast like before and the Q&A was literally one of the most awkward things ever um like it was the whole cast except for Chris Pine and Florence Pugh and like Harry Styles sat on one end then it was the entire cast of randos and then Olivia Wilde, and it was very weird. Like, it was just like, why do they make it so obvious that they're trying to stay apart from each other? It's like big Aquarius energy on Harry's part. Do you believe that they've broken up or not? No. Really? They're trying too hard, I think, for it to be like, because if you have broken up, you don't have that much to currently hide. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe they haven't broken up yet, but they're on the rocks. But it's very big, like Aquarius energy to like completely ignore your ex, especially as in an public. Aquarius. I see Harry. I see right. Harry. I'm exactly you know. Um. Anyway, the Q and A literally the most embarrassing thing ever. I felt like I got scammed out of seventeen dollars because I was expecting Chris Pine to be there, and he was not. Him and Florence. Well, he like, slept through the premiere. I'm assuming he doesn't care about this movie. <laughs> I don't blame him for not caring about this movie. Anyway, I don't even remember the questions that were asked, but of course, Harry Styles could not answer any of them. One of the things that was asked of Harry was like, "Did you listen to any songs that helped you get into like mood for this character?" And he couldn't answer the question. And I'm like, "My guy, you are a musician. Like, <laughs> lie." <laughs> or just say no. Yeah, he. I don't remember what his response was, but it was something like stupid, like it's a movie that feels like a movie vibes. Yeah, um, I'm sure. And then there was this one other really awkward question that was asked by like like fans could like write in to the Q and A period since it was live. Um, and the question was like, who like in this group of cast would you like call? And, like, they had to, like, answer the phone to save your life. And I feel like they were That's trying to, wild. like... Right? And I feel like they were trying to get, like, Olivia and Harry to say each other. But they didn't. Olivia said, like, one of the actresses, I think, named Kat or something. Kate, maybe? She's, like, barely in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harry Styles said that he had the entire cast, which was very interesting. And, yeah, I don't remember the rest of it. And then we sat and watched... Did you submit a question? No. Oh. <laughs> Here's the thing. Why the fuck was the Q&A before the film? Oh, God. It makes literally zero sense. <laughs> Especially a movie that has, like, a twist ending. You can't really talk about, like... Yeah, huh. it made completely zero sense. Anyway... Q&A, awkward, not good, bad. It really set the tone for the movie, which was awkward, not good, and bad. <laughs> like, I feel like the twist was very obvious 
we're not going to talk about it yet. And I thought Florence Pugh was great. I don't believe Carson. I thought Harry Styles was okay, but he can't do like strong emotion. Like when he is like angry or crying, it is just not good. And I saw somebody on Twitter saying that he needed to start like with more supporting roles and his team Mm. should not have thrust him right into the leading man position because him going from like Dunkirk when Christopher Nolan like barely let him talk to (laughs) um, leading roles in Don't Worry Darling and My Policeman, which I've seen back to back is just like silly for lack of a better word. And I don't understand like why they're trying to like thrust him so much into being like, I don't know, not like a triple threat, but like, you know what I mean? Like, they're trying yeah. to make him a more, like, well-rounded celebrity by acting and singing. And I'm like, just stick to what you do best. And honestly, Harry, I didn't even like your last two albums. So maybe <laughs> you should reevaluate your talents. So you like one out of three. Wow. Yeah. You would say he's not good at anything. Yeah, really. he's trash. He's a flop. And I don't care if the Harry's... I'm just kidding. I do like Harry Styles. But, like, his output these past couple years have been lacking, in my opinion. That's very fair. I'm not here to discuss personally Harry's house or the other one. Fine line. On the name. Sure. Not good. <laughs> it's all right, but it's not good. I don't know. I think like maybe it's just because I truly expected him to be the worst because like mm-hmm. everyone is saying he's terrible. People are like videotaping themselves watching his performance and it's not even like an awkward moment. There's awkward moments. The big one in the car. Terrible. But like people are filming him just like looking at the screen and they're like laughing out loud. So maybe I just expected it to be terrible. I think well, I was the just main like, I don't know, it's problem fine. with this film for me is I saw it with a bunch of people who are like obviously huge fans of Harry Styles and it was extremely uh, irritating because the only time I could see it prior to this episode recording because I was stuck at the not stuck. I was working at the animation festival happily for 12 plus hours a day. I didn't have time to see it, not at the ridiculous, stupid IMAX screening. And I feel like I could have enjoyed it a lot more on, like, a Sunday matinee with, like, nobody. Because there was this little 15-year-old girl in front of me. She's literally pirating half the movie. She's on Snapchat every time Harry Styles is on screen, which is often because he's the lead actor. And it was the most distracting thing ever. And so many people asked her to stop. And she would, like, say, sorry. And then she would go back and do it again. I even fucking kicked her seat because I was losing it. And honestly, somebody should have gotten up and, like, told the, like, theater people. But I didn't want to leave and, like, miss the twists and, like, the, like, crumbs. And here's the thing, Carson. There's so many little things in this movie that don't matter. They don't make sense. Does what it? is the plane crash? I, what like, is the mirror? When she wraps her head in plastic. Basically watch the trailer. Every crazy moment in the trailer like, is in the film, obviously. But they mean nothing. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is kind of spoilery. I feel like they're all, like, the plane crash, the mirror, the things like that are supposed to be, like, the simulation glitching. But it's not... 
explained <laughs> very well. And you know I the just, classic when the simulation glitches and yeah. fully realized and rendered airplane crashes into the desert. Yeah, I don't get it. Like maybe the mirror window thing makes sense for like a glitch, but I don't understand the plane crash and like the earthquakes, especially in the like first chunk of the movie. There are so many times when like there's like earthquakes and all the wives like comment on it like, oh, boys and their toys they must be hard at work blah 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 it's never explained what the fuck they're doing i assume that the earthquakes are them like leaving to go back to the real world um and out of the simulation i already said there was spoilers remember um i'm gonna answer a little spoiler warning maybe they 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 don't explain it and there's like so many plot holes and there's no like satisfying conclusion to it. The ending is incredibly rushed, and I I don't want it to be a mini series because it was not good. But I feel like to flesh out all of those things, it would have had to have been a mini series. Hopefully, with I, like a yeah. better director and lead actor. Yeah, or at least a director who's on set, according to rumors. Um, I mean, we do know that they edited quite a bit of this. Kiki Lane posted on Instagram. She was like, lol, they edited me out of the entire movie. And her character feels pretty major. I feel like they watched the first cut of it, and they were like, well, this isn't good. So we might as well, like, nobody's going to come to this because it's boring. We might as well just, like, reshoot and insert some weird things that happen. But it really just doesn't make sense. It doesn't build well. The ending, I think, is, like, really stupid. I don't know. Like, I think there's something there to be said about, like, modern masculinity. But, like, the film doesn't do any justice. There it's, is, like, serenity. Yeah. There is, like, something to say there. But it's not executed well because it's such... It's, like, it's very much through, like, a white feminist lens. Yes. And, like, so... I've mentioned it a couple of times and I have warned you, but this is the real for real for real spoiler. Like they are in a simulation and you find out that Harry Styles is in real life is a fucking unemployed creepy loser. And they make Harry Styles like really fucking ugly. He's literally balding. That kid is never beating the bald allegations. Like he's got a receding hairline in my policeman. He's got a receding hairline in real life. He's freaking balding and don't worry, darling. Like Harry Styles has it tough, especially with his name being Harry. <laughs> that was a bad joke. No, it was a good one. <laughs> um, and they like literally like put like acne scars or something on him. They tried to make him as ugly as possible, which I thought was rude because I don't like this whole trope of like ugly people being the villains. And then, like, hot people are nice and, like, the ideal. Like, we can up. be the heroes, too, guys. Like, <laughs> they didn't need to make him that ugly. Um, and you find out that, like, he's unemployed. He gets, like, radicalized by, like, Chris Pine on YouTube. Uh, meanwhile, Florence Pugh in real life is a doctor. She's, like, a surgeon or something. And she's taking on all these, like, extra shifts because Harry Styles is a deadbeat loser with no job. Um and, like, she's not being intimate with him because he's freaking – she's working, like, 15-hour days at the hospital, and he's a loser. So he gets radicalized by, like, the internet and freaking, like, basically kidnaps his girlfriend and, like, puts her into a simulation 
and there's a very interesting comment commentary on like how the ideal uh, wife for a man is like the 1950s housewife because like m- m- lots there's a lot of the time when men's like don't like you they just want a woman to like fit into the their life and in the ca- that case a 1950s housewife is the ideal because her life revolves around you and she fits into your life perfectly and you don't have to worry about her because all she does is stay at home and clean and looks after her kids and she's no trouble because that's the ideal woman for a lot of men um but i'm not gonna lie her life like i was jealous of it i want to be in a simulation just stuck like getting drunk at the mall so badly i'm fully down (laughs) but the problem with it is all of these men with the exception of olivia's wild character did not have their wives girlfriends etc consent to what is happening and that is the issue and i feel like the theme of consent was not explored very well it was more so being the 1950s housewife is dystopian and fucked up no one's not i'd love to fucking live like that but like it is because she like looks at her neighbor who knows like about it in disgust for like choosing this life she's yeah. like this is pathetic i was like no i would no. be right there sad. i would freaking love to stay at home and look after my kids while my husband goes off and is a slave to, slave to capitalism i want to stay home so, and, like, that's the... I thought, like, Florence Pugh's character judging Olivia Wilde's character there was so fucking rude and literally, like, dismantles their entire argument. Like, feminism is about choice and I should have the choice to stay at home. Period. Dead ass. <laughs> I don't know. And there, there's Chris a, Pine is good. Chris Pine was good. He was given crumbs. He was not given yeah. a lot to work with. Also... Gemma Chan. I don't understand why her character stabbed Chris Pine. Literally just on the radio they hear like she's getting away and she's like, okay, dead. Like literally. Also, like, I don't understand that. And like there's a part earlier when they're like at the dinner table at Florence and Harry Styles' house, and like Gemma Chan, like Florence Pugh is basically like insulting Chris Pine's character and like questioning him and Gemma Chan who plays Chris Pine's wife in the film like freaking snaps at her and goes off um and then she turns around and stabs Chris Pine a couple scenes later and I'm like I don't understand like I thought you were fully down for the simulation there was no nothing that like implied she wasn't happy in the role and like all these people in the theater started clapping in that when that happened I was like you guys are so you're like rodents like how do you think that is like a a, like a a girl boss like fun thing like that is not a very interesting action to do in your film in my opinion i thought it was dumb oh i was so dumb yeah i mean i was luck thank god i had had a very different theatrical situation where it was me and like four people in a theater but like (laughs) god i cannot imagine i was just like i really this movie just pissed me off at the end i was like this is so stupid and it's so long also i don't it felt long it's not actually that long, is it? It's only 123, well, two hours. Still, but like, honestly, you know, that little girl pirating the movie, sometimes I didn't mind when she opened her phone because at least I could see what time it was and I knew how much time was left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, here's another thing. Why was Chris Pine's character so obsessed with Florence Pugh's character, like, questioning him? But, like, they he did not do the same for, like, Kiki Lane or, like, any of the other women that seemed to, like, figure it out and go crazy. Also, there's a very weird, like, 
um, elephant in the room, let's say, with Kiki Lane's character, that specifically she's one of the only people of color in the entire community. Mm-hmm. And that is never addressed. Race is never addressed. It's never brought into this. And like with the 1950s, obviously there's a connotation there with how race is treated. It's very weird how that is so clearly something on the film's mind with that casting, but it never does anything with it. I feel like... Olivia Wilde was just like, I want a diverse cast. You know, she only cast Kiki Lane and Gemma Chan. And she didn't consider the ramifications of like what being like black or Asian or like a woman of color in general in the 1950s would be like, especially being married to a white man. Like, interrelate, I know I date white boys, interrelationship, oh my God, interracial relationships even now can be tough. And like, your families and society still will look at you weird, even though we're in the year of our Lord 2022. So that was a really stupid thing to gloss over. Yeah. I know. It's all just really stupid. Like, the more you think about it, the more, like, I remember now, like, the glass pushing in on it. Like, so much that just, like, just goes nowhere. It's not satisfying. It's not good. I would say, like, the best parts of the film. I think some of the visuals are cool. I don't, you know, they're really random. But some of the visual sequences I enjoyed. When it goes into, like, the eye and then it gets all kind of trippy for a minute. The that creepy cool. ballerinas were interesting, but I didn't understand them. I don't know what they are in, even when they're revealed. They at least are in the real world. Like, I get that. I don't know what they are. but I don't understand why all the women, like, when they're in the Victory Project, why they're all into ballet. Like, that is, like, a weird Yeah, that thing. didn't really go anywhere. Cause they, hmm. No. <laughs> what I'm hearing is... I also thought the drinking was going to go somewhere because it's weird how much these people drink. And yeah. this is coming from someone who's kind of an alcoholic, I feel. <laughs> like, I literally have a full bottle of wine on my desk right now. And I thought it was weird that they were drinking so much, and that never goes anywhere. I thought, like, maybe that was, like, keeping them in or something. No. Could be. And it just wasn't explored or explained very well. Here's the most psychotic thing. Olivia Wilde said men don't come in this movie. I can't remember the exact quote. But like she in an interview before this, she was like, this movie is all about female pleasure. Men don't come. And within the context of the reveal is the most psychotic thing. Because all the women in the Victory Project are literally being trapped by their husbands. Yeah, what? like she said that I'm fucking I'm dead serious. No, I believe you. Olivia yeah. Wilde is she's not okay. Character. Like, please read anything about being a woman of color and like fourth wave feminism because you are stuck in the past, bestie. It's so weird because I thought Booksmart was so good. Oh my god, that's the worst thing about it. Yeah. I love Booksmart, but this was not it, Chief. I have to believe for my sanity, like, it's all true. Olivia Wilde wasn't even on set. She was just, like, fucking Harry Styles. And I'll blame this on Florence Pugh. I will do that, (laughs) Olivia, for you. (laughs) But uh, Project 3 can't be bad. Yeah. It was... uh, The best way to describe this film is empty, which is ridiculous for how much shit there's in it. Oh, yeah. And for a film trying to be so much. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those, like, add it to the endless list of, like, wants to be Black Mirror, has none of the capabilities of Black Mirror. (laughs) Are you into international cinema? Do you enjoy reading subtitles? Maybe you're just trying to fill out your world map on Letterboxd. Well, if you're in the United States, you'll be happy to learn that the American edition of the South African Film Festival is running online from October 8th to the 18th. 
SAFFUSA brings you the best in African cinema with films like The White Line, President, and Blindside. They are a proud supporter of Education Without Borders, which is a charity that works to provide educational opportunities to at-risk youth in South Africa. Festival passes are on sale right now. You can find the link either in our podcast description or by going to SAFFUSA.net. Once again, that is SAFFUSA.net. And if you're in Canada, don't worry. The Canadian version of the festival is coming this November. Hope to see everyone there online at the South African Film Festival. Well... Speaking of great films, another one start featuring a blonde woman is Blonde. Um, Ana de Armas plays Marilyn Monroe. Elena, do you want to take it away with Blonde? Oh my god, I watched this over what, like five days? Um, thanks Netflix for giving us a screener, I appreciate it. Every time I had some like downtime from the animation festival, I would try to watch it with my AirPods in because my back is like turned to everybody so nobody can see what I'm doing on my computer. It's like it didn't matter if Anna Daramas had her titties out in my office. But like anytime I put my AirPods in, five seconds later, one of my stat coworkers walked in, one of my volunteers walked in, the telephone rang, and I was like, oh my fucking God, dude. And when I got home, I was too tired. So I watched this over five days. Um this is directed by Andrew Dominic. I haven't seen any of his other movies. I really want to watch the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, that looks like a fun film that I think would interest me. But I didn't know what I was getting into with Blonde. Other than everyone said it was crazy. And like, here's a hot take. I didn't think it was. I realize I'm desensitized to a lot of things, but like everyone was like, oh my God, Anna de Armas is like naked for the entire movie. Her fetus talks to her. She gets raped by JFK. Um, trigger warning on the blonde talk, obviously. Um, and like all of those scenes happened and I was like, oh, that was it. You guys need to go outside more. <laughs> But you at least knew, like, I'll give you the rest, but, like, the fetus talking, you at least knew it was coming, because I but had no idea there was a fetus I there. was assuming that it was, like, during the abortion, but she was, like, in a garden, and I feel like in the context of that, that makes more sense, because she was kind of, like, um, going through like processing the trauma of the abortion and it is weird that the fetus talks to her but i think (laughs) within the like setting where it takes place it's not as weird to me as like a woman (laughs) i've never been you talk to your fetus (laughs) i've never been pregnant i've never had an abortion um but i think (laughs) if i like had like i would process similarly i don't think i would imagine my fetus talking but i think i would talk to it you know what I mean? You know what? That's I valid. I have a lot who of friends who have, I have some friends who have had abortions and they have felt similarly. They just didn't have the fetus talk to them. <laughs> they talked to their <laughs> second fetus and confirmed yeah. it was actually the original fetus still there. <laughs> um, I just thought this, the, Andrew Dominic is, I don't know how you say his name, but he's from New Zealand, so it can't be that difficult. Um, Andrew, maybe it's Dominique. Um, but Andrew Dominic is like he directs the hell out of this movie. It's a gorgeous film. I feel like all the actors are acting. 
it's just boring and yeah. i don't understand who it's for because like people who are like not huge fans of marilyn monroe i'm not a huge fan of her i don't really particularly care for her i know she had like a sad life i've seen a few of her movies but i understand why she's a cultural icon but like i don't care about marilyn monroe like i got nothing from this i feel like people who are like huge huge fans of her are just gonna be upset about this and most of the stuff that happens in the film apparently is not even true it's all like all fiction i don't understand the point of this other than like the only audience for this is like andrew dominic and weirdos (laughs) (laughs) yes um like well and people who want to look at on film twitter and say it's good um it's not good. As you mentioned, very boring. Very long at oh 166 God. minutes. Long. I like I think you can break down like what this film means in the context of like real life and as a movie, how is it? I think as a movie, it's terrible. I think it's super, super lazy. I mean, if you want to portray dad issues, father issues on screen, <laughs> you surely can do a better job than just having Marilyn call everyone daddy, every guy daddy, over and over and over and over and over again. It's did she? Lazy. Do you think she actually did that? No, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Um, I think Anna Armas is incredible. I think the performance, like the transformation, is stunning. Um, I thought she was good, but her accent slips through a lot and it was really it distracting does. to me. But other than that, she was very good as Marilyn. Yeah, I don't know. And then, but then, like, so I think as a film, passable at best. I agree. I actually don't think much of it, like, specifically the nudity and stuff. Again, I'm also desensitized just naturally by watching films. So, like, maybe I'm just you know desensitized but i didn't think anything was that crazy i thought the fetus was crazy i'll give you that but like then you get in the context of like marilyn monroe this real woman who was like heavily exploited still is literally like died because of it with the drug overdose and it's like when you break down that this is a fictional story that just takes her body and uses it as an object to get like raped and be like uh, to die and to view sexually, including the final shot of literally her feet. And it's like, you know, I don't know. It really like disturbed me in a sense, especially because I just think it has nothing to say. This doesn't provide you a deeper understanding of Marilyn Monroe. Unlike something like Baz's Elvis, like that is a film that captured Elvis, whether or not it's all true or not. Like it captured his vibe, it captured his mood and it captured him. And I feel like I have a deeper understanding of Elvis due to that film. I don't think I have a deeper understanding of Marilyn Monroe because of this film. I don't think it's a well-made film. I think it's just like empty and gross. And like, truly, it's only for Andrew Dominic and perverts. And like, I don't I don't like that. I think it's gross to do that to a real human being who's already been exploited so much. Like, why not? Why can't this just be an original? Even if you based on Marilyn, why can't this just be like a like original character, right? Why does it have to be? Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, you're totally right about all of that, Carson. Like, it's just depressing. Like, Elvis was, he had, like, the core story of Baz's Elvis is also depressing about how yes. Colonel Tom Parker exploited him his entire <laughs> life. Um, and, like, basically a similar thing happens to Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean, whatever her last name is. She gets, like, caught in the exploitative whatever of Hollywood. And 
But like, unlike Elvis, there's nothing to say about it. It's just depressing. It's literally just like reveling in how sad and traumatized this poor woman was her entire life. There's nothing like, there's no fun scenes of her. I don't know how she acted on set. I know that like there are a lot of times when she was like drugged out of her mind and like a huge diva and all these things. Apparently that's what the film is implying. But like, I don't like, there's nothing, there's no like nice parts about it. And I obviously her life was not entirely depressing. She still had fun, but anytime she like kind of has fun, it gets ruined immediately by her fucking husbands or agents or anybody else in her life. Like, it's just, like, this did not make me want to go out and learn about Marilyn and watch all of her movies, like Elvis did. Yeah. And I realize they are two completely different movies with two completely different theses, but, like, at least Elvis was fun. It might be a more accurate comparison. How do you feel this compares to Spencer? Because I know you weren't a huge yeah, Spencer fan. I didn't like I Spencer, Spencer either. Um, I feel like Spencer wasn't exploitative. Yes. Like, I feel like even though Spencer was, like, a fictionalized event, it didn't, like, make Princess Diana look like an awful person. It didn't, like... No feet shots. Yeah, it didn't, like, sexualize her. Because, like, Marilyn Monroe, before she died, I, I feel like she was, like, very open about, like, trying to take her agency back. Yeah. And this movie doesn't do that for her. And I know, like, it's iffy to drag morals into filmmaking and, like, art and things like that. And people can, like, make films about whatever they want and portray whatever they want. But when somebody has like had such a sad life and just wanted to be left alone. I don't understand why we have to keep doing this to her. And I'm not even a big fan of Marilyn, but her spirit doesn't deserve all the things that are happening to her. It just makes me really sad. I mean, there's also just a difference though from like showing the true tragedies of her life, which there are plenty. And then writing a story granted space on the book, but like, creating a work of fiction where like she gets raped multiple times like mm -hmm. things like that which are like so much further than the truth if you want to take some artistic liberties i get that and i agree like morals incredibly touchy thing to get into with film as a critic do you leave the morals at the door do you you know bring morals to everything i don't know it's a really wildly deep debate actually but like I think there's differences between like adding a little bit creative freedom here. Oh, making this a little bit more sad to like, no, she gets raped over and over and over and over again. Like, I don't know. I really like I walked out of this. Well, I stopped watching the film. I didn't go see it. Well, in the theater. Um, and I was like, oh, it's not as bad. It's not good, but it's not as like disgusting as everyone said. And then I was writing my review and I was like, yeah, I like this movie gave me the ick. I don't know. I hate it. Mm hmm. I feel like if this was, like, about a different person or, like, original character, I wouldn't feel the same way. But just no. knowing that Marilyn didn't like how people view her, it's just it's just not nice. And with, like, how similar Anna Dara Moss looks to her and how, like, sexualized she is throughout the film, it's literally just, um, like, Andrew Dominic, like, deriving sexual pleasure from, like, a Marilyn Monroe body double 
because like he's probably <laughs> obsessed with her in a really fucked up dilute yeah arranged like, way like it's like unhealthy it's gross <laughs> oh it's like creepy yeah it's super like it genuinely like it, i think it's one of the first films to really give me like the ick i'm like oh that's like Mm. <laughs> not and it like, this was another film with a lot of like weird behind the scenes stuff to it like how anna de Armas said she like visited marilyn monroe's grave and like to try like, get permission to like play her or something and the fact that like i really like anna de Armas as an actress but the fact that she thought doing something like this was like okay and like same with adrian brody it like makes me like disappointed in them that they would like contribute yeah. to this exploitation of Marilyn Monroe like this is I don't understand how they could see this as a tribute to her I mean <laughs> if we if we continue to talk about like what actors are doing we don't need to get to Amsterdam but like <laughs> I don't know continually actors amaze me at what they're willing to do Very when, true. especially when they're rich and famous and they they'll don't do need anything to do it. for a check they'll do anything for a check They'll do everything to keep the clout up. I get Anna de Armas because she's trying to be an up-and-coming actress. I understand why she took on this role. Why the yeah. fuck did Adrian Brody do it? Is he trying to stage a comeback or something? Like well, Between this and see how they run, maybe. Yes, like, come on. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, come on. I just, like, everybody, in, like, again, morals are iffy to drag into it. But, like, please, in what world, explain it to me how you think this is, like, nice and a tribute to Marilyn. Because, like, homegirl is probably rolling in her grave at this. She's mad. Bet, She's haunting uh, you. <laughs> I bet you. Well, I bet you it's a mixture of three things. The first is her being a little bit crazy. Not to say she wasn't really visited by the ghost of Marilyn Monroe. I wasn't there. I can't say it. I have my doubts, though. <laughs> I think it probably had one hell of a pitch. And I think she was told this would win her an Oscar. And I get why, like, as a young actor, you'd be like, yeah, I want to get one an Oscar. Um, <laughs> just wild stuff. <laughs> Well, that's it for our new releases of the week. Let's go to our question of the week. Really quickly, just looking at last week's, we had some good responses on our Twitter. As far as write-ins, obviously Hereditary, Tony Collette. We asked, I guess, if you did not listen, uh, favorite horror female performance of the last five years. We've got plenty of Tony Collettes from Hereditary. Niccolo went, you know, fully balls to the wall and went Maya Goth in Pearl. Good for him. As far as our picks, Lupita Nyong'o won um, by a pretty hefty amount. It got 43% of the vote. Florence Pugh got 30. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence got 20%. The mother fans are not out, I guess, but that is okay. This week we are asking based on, don't worry, darling, what's your favorite twist ending of a film? Alina, what do you have? I decided to go with something that was not horror because I don't watch very many movies of that genre. And I feel like if I picked something horror, <laughs> I would be faking it. So to be authentic to myself, I picked Arrival. I love Denny Villeneuve and I love sci-fi. And Arrival was one of those movies where I was like, damn, that is really making me question life. And I'm not going to spoil it because Arrival is a wonderful movie. But it that one like really struck me. Same with Interstellar. I feel like those mm. two same vibes. Like yeah. the sci-fi questioning your life and your place in the universe. Those ones really freak me up. I do love the Interstellar. I'm shocked there's so many people who hate that ending. I think it's yeah. like genius. Bro, I was crying in the theater like crazy during Interstellar. Oh, and I if wish you I had it? seen Arrival in the theater. 
Yeah. yeah. When you rewatch Interstellar also, like it just it hits different. It's so good. I will say Paul's not here with us in person. He did text me that he likes Stepford Wives. We will be covering that on an upcoming episode featuring female and horror. That was the road to Halloween this week, but now it got pushed, obviously. I have not seen the film, so I genuinely don't know what that ending is, but apparently it's good. Mine is going to be The Others. I'm not going to spoil much about this. It's the 2001 Nicole Kidman film about her her and her family living in this big old house and they start to experience ghosts. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. We will be talking about it on the podcast for our Road to Halloween special in a few weeks. So you can get my full thoughts on the ending there. All I will say is genius. And if you've not seen those films, go check them out. I know at least our picks are very good, Alina. Um, As always, you can vote on our Twitter at Clapper Podcast on Twitter, or you can also write in your own answers and then we'll talk about them on the podcast and we'll probably say you're wrong, but like, that's okay. <laughs> um, so that's going to do it for this episode of Clappercast. Where can we find you, Alina? I am at Alina Folds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at PP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd, Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for watching or for listening. Excuse me. We'll be back next week or possibly later this week. If we sneak in a bonus episode to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye.